Things, a podcast from the David A. Howe Public Library. I'm Nick Gunning. I've got a special guest today, uh, one of my favorite contributors to the All the Book Show. One of my favorite people, if we're being honest. Is that too mushy? Wow. <laughs> okay, all right. You'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> we have Sally Jacoby Murphy, the director of the Fred and Harriet Taylor Memorial Library in Hammondsport. Sally, thanks for joining me. Thank you. I am excited to be here. This is sort of like a new beginning I know. for me, which I, I know. Like. <laughs> I know. How were your holidays? They were good. I mean, much like more low key than usual. Um, My wife and I did get to go to my parents' house, which was really nice. But usually we do a lot of traveling over break. And obviously we didn't do that. But it was kind of nice. We had a very relaxing time. Got to just sleep a lot more. (laughs) So it was good. My wife and I did not go to any family gatherings, which, as you know, is my dream. So for me, (laughs) you know, it was maybe the best Christmas I've ever had for, for being brutally honest here on house things um tell me some of the highlights of your holiday gifts i i mean i can see our listeners can't but i can see that you're wearing a very decorative very elaborate sweater with ghosts woven into the pattern which suits the queen of halloween i would say yeah i put this on specifically for this podcast wow. even though you're the only one who can see it you know what um i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna take a picture we're gonna put it on twitter because people need to see oh nice yeah <laughs> that makes me really happy good yeah um my wife got me this sweater it it's is lovely. a mod cloth sweater oh, um but i've been coveting it for a while mm-hmm. so i finally got that definitely a highlight mm-hmm. um my brother got me a book fun home which i really loved and i read in like two days okay and i got just a lot of good i got some good films i got the film three women which is an old 70s film yeah and yeah. i've already seen that and i love it my dad got me that so and my mother hand wove us all scarves. Oh my so, gosh! Wow. Yeah, so those are some of my highlights. I had a cast member of Three Women on the All the Book Show. Uh, what? John Davy, who plays Doctor Norton in Three Women, also was television's Shazam, and I did an interview with him at the start of the quarantine. So, uh, listeners, if you haven't listened to that, go back to SoundCloud.com/slash/AllTheBooks uh, and look for the interview with John Davy. We actually briefly talked about Three Women because. Uh, John was saying that he typically played, you know, boxers or thug types. And the only time he got to play a doctor was in Three Women. So he's kind of aggressive in it. I'll say that. Okay. All right. All right. So that checks out. Uh, I mean, I I would be remiss if I didn't tell the listeners that you made me, and I still don't understand how you did this, but you made me Star Trek Dominoes, which I have, in fact, played many times since Christmas. How, How does one make Dominoes? How do you go from not having dominoes to then having dominoes? How does this work? Well, I'm glad that you like these because these are kind of far out there as far as gift giving is concerned. It's just right. But <laughs> but I I also did get a cricket for Christmas um, and I had that beforehand. And so I cut out little Star Trek starships. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mostly Klingon and Starfleet. Yes. But there are a few others in there. Yeah, as well. I noticed some randos. Yes. And then I I had resin, so it's okay. like a craft safe resin and so I cast them in a silicone mold and then I painted on the little dots. <laughs> wow. So. That's uh that's insane. <laughs> that's insane, but I'm glad that I was the beneficiary of that insanity. And as I said, we have played dominoes on many occasions 
since Christmas. So good times. <laughs> good times were had by all. Uh, I know you mentioned one of the books that you recently read, one of your Christmas gifts, but uh, let's do a little bookmark segment and see what we've been up to. So what I'm currently reading? Yes, hit me. Okay, so I'm actually currently reading five books. Whoa. Let's see if I can remember. Okay, now, <laughs> does that count as a humble brag, or is that just a straight-up brag? I can't tell. I don't I don't know. Is it really a brag at all? I was thinking, because I'm committed to doing Goodreads this year. Yeah, um, which I've finally. Which horrible about for, like, the last ten years or I was something. just going to say, because I remember a time when you were, I don't know if, if I'm sure listeners by now know this, but Sally was one of my student workers at the Willard J. Houghton Library many years ago. I, how how long ago? It was like over 10 years ago, right? Like yeah. 2009. Um, yeah. And I remember getting your Goodreads set up and like you going through and rating a bunch of things. And then after that day, never again until like <laughs> New Year's Day, 11 years later. So welcome. Welcome to the Thank fold. <laughs> well, I feel like now I have more time, like yes. being in the library world, I can like actually spend time on it. But I... I'm reading these five books and I've added them slowly and yeah. I'm like, this is embarrassing. I need to like knock oh, yeah. off a few before I keep adding them. Yeah. But at any rate, so I'm reading Saga. I don't know if you've oh, heard of that. Sure. Your graphic novel series. Yeah. Brian um, K. Vaughn. Yeah. Yep. My, uh, my so, old pal, Eric Nichols, a big fan of that series. I haven't read oh. it. Um, I've read Brian K. Vaughn's Paper Girls, which I actually think you would really dig. So check mm -hmm. that out when you finish Saga. I will have to do that. I appreciate that recommendation because I do really like it. Yeah. And I'm not a huge, like, graphic novel sci-fi reader, but yeah. this might get me into it. Okay. And so my brother got my wife the Collective series up yeah. until this point in, like, one big volume. So I'm, yeah. like, three-fourths of the way through that. Love See, it. Very this, this is the this is the way to do that because both Saga and Paper Girls, he was sort of writing concurrently. And it was like he would write Saga for a year and then stop and write Paper Girls for a year. So trying to follow those series as they came out, it was a nightmare because like mm -hmm. I remember with paper girls, it was like, I listened to, I read a volume and then it would be like one, one and a half years later before the second volume came out. And I'd be like, what is happening? So to have it all mm. compact and together like that is the way to go. Well, and it reads so quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd be sad if I just read one volume of it and then it was over. So I highly, I mean, if somebody wants to get into like a real series, it's an awesome world. That's like a, it's a good one to do. Yeah. I hear they're going to start releasing them again. But I might wait. Like, I might wait until they have a few of them out before yeah. I get them. We'll see. Yeah. Then for my fun reading, Ooh, okay. I'm reading The Education of Brett Kavanaugh, <laughs> which is a Super light, light read, yeah. Yeah, just a light, makes yeah. me really happy and uh -huh. joyful kind of read. Yeah. I'm almost through with Rising Out of Hatred by Eli Zaslow, <laughs> which is okay. also light, but great. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then what else? Oh, I'm midway through American Dirt. Oh, okay. Which is that is a, book, our book, a book club? Yeah. Yeah, it's our book club book this month. I am enjoying it. Uh -huh. It is a rough story. Um, and I've heard a lot of the criticisms of her as a white woman having written it. So it's kind of interesting now reading it, like after a lot of those criticisms have come out. Yeah. But it's still very well written yeah. and it's a very important story. I, I know. So, I, I remember the there was a lot of controversy when that book came out. The author, for one, as you said, but I think even just the tone of it, and I haven't read it, so this is just what you know the the journals and stuff were saying, were that it was um, 
there was a feeling that it was not glamorizing, but it was sort of like, look how awful this is. Isn't this like, you know, fun to read? And that drew a lot of criticism as well. So I'm planning to read it for our book club too. And I expect that conversation to be part of it, but I'll be curious to know what you think. Yeah, same. So we'll have to connect on that. Okay. Um, And then the last one is Just Us, which came out this year and I'm blanking on the author's name, but it's another, it's sort of a critical race theory book talking about whiteness but it's written in a really interesting way so part of it's sort of poetry and then part of it's essay form prose but they cite where they're getting their information from on the left page and so it's like interesting to read because as you're reading these ideas and like this unfolding of you know whiteness in american history you're also seeing like pictures or like critical examples of it okay so yeah so that's what i'm reading right now okay (laughs) Uh, I got several books for Christmas, and this always happens because Christmas and my birthday, as is you, you can relate to this because your birthday is also very close to Christmas, but they're back to back, and I tend to get a lot of books. And I find that if I don't just like read those books in a short window of when I get them, they'll sit on my shelves forever. So I've been mm-hmm. trying to go through and do like some of my Christmas reads, balance with things I have to read for work. So on that end of things, I'm currently just about to finish White Fragility uh, by Robin D'Angelo, which which we're doing for a, a book club within the system. I had not read this before. I do find it really interesting. Some of the things she does, just sort of referring over and over again to how whites behave, I found to be kind of mm-hmm. jarring because I'm not used to thinking of it like in those terms. So I think that alone has been helpful for me just to kind of reframe the way those conversations go. A funny criticism of the audiobook, which is what I've been primarily listening to, I would swear that it is read by Siri. It just, (laughs) I mean it. I mean, like, I'd be a little surprised if it wasn't. So that's been kind of funny. And my wife was saying, well, maybe they just chose the most passive voice because it is such a difficult topic. And I'm like, well, if they did... It's working because it is a very, very like level reading of uh, some some pretty intense topics. So uh, I'm currently reading that. Yeah, I'm currently reading The Vision by Tom King. This is a graphic novel that came out a few years ago. Crazy well received. Everybody was talking about it when it came out. Vision is uh, one of the Avengers. Sally, if you're familiar with the Marvel team, the Avengers. Uh, I've heard of them, although I've never heard of Vision. So. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Paul Bettany plays Vision in the uh, in the later Marvel movies. So you know Paul Bettany, right? It's like it's like you're uh, speaking a foreign language to me right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> All right. I thought for sure you'd know him. Uh, but it's interesting. It's it's cool so far, and I'm reading it because the Disney Plus series WandaVision is coming out, which deals with Vision and the Scarlet Witch, and I just never read it before, so. I picked that up. Oh. I just finished one of my Christmas books, and that was the book Fletch by Gregory McDonald. Remember the movie? There's like I, a movie with Chevy Chase. and Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that an older? It I mean, is. I've, yeah. I've not read it, but I do feel like that's something I've come across before. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty long-running series. I want to say there's like, I don't know, 10 to 20 books, quite a few. This is the first. Yeah. Um, while I did enjoy it, it feels very dated in some of its some of its <laughs> attitudes and approach. So it's kind of hard to separate that from the story. I don't really think this is a series that I would follow, but um, I've read it yeah. and I did enjoy parts of it. I did enjoy like Fletch's attitude. I found kind of fun, but again, some of the topics and the way things are handled definitely definitely speaks for uh, the time it came from, and not in a positive way. 
Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not shocked if Chevy Chase was uh, also the star of the film. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Not that I don't love my National Lampoon. Sure, (laughs) sure. Uh, I read Great Sky Woman by Stephen Barnes. Uh, This was kind of off the beaten path for me. I had read some Stephen Barnes uh, sci-fi stuff in a book club I do with some friends, and we were all really impressed with his uh, things. And those were him writing for the Star Trek or Star Wars universe. So I wanted to read one of his originals here. Great Sky Woman is set in Africa like 30 million years ago, something like that, you know? So it's uh, it's it's kind of historical fiction, but it also has the feel of fantasy because it's so far removed from where we are that there's a lot of world building involved in how that goes. But a really interesting read. I, I think there's at least two, two books in the series. Uh, so that's where I'm at at the moment. You've been we watching. We're also reading like five books. So well, that's, yeah, I do have I do have several things going. You're right. Uh, have you watched anything interesting recently? Well, we just watched Three Women okay. uh, last Monday, mm-hmm. so we have a with new, my friend John uh, Davey. One of our wow, <laughs> call back. Yeah. So we have a New Year's resolution to try and watch like a Criterion oh. slash like renowned sort of film Uh our criteria for this are kind of loose but like something that's like going to be in film classes in our future um every citizen kane porky's revenge that kind of stuff right yeah (laughs) yeah dumb and dumber okay yeah things like that (laughs) okay um (laughs) so we started with three women um Uh and i also got shortcuts for christmas so i think we're gonna watch that next week but i think it's like a cool it's gonna be a fun journey Mm -hmm. um but beyond that, um, we are, well, I watched and we, I'm now re-watching with my wife, um, Bridgerton. Oh, okay. And yeah. I don't know if you've, that's been like flying around the social webs. Yes. People are loving it. I have um, seen the, I have seen the first episode and I just recently bought the, a, a new like Netflix movie-ish cover of the book for the library as well. So. Oh, nice. Yep. I think I, I probably should order it for the library because I'm sure it's going to be popular. Yeah, and it's uh, old enough that I don't think it's widely held in the system. So that's why I grabbed a copy. I know. I was surprised it's like early 2000s. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I would have guessed this was way earlier or like yeah. last year. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's kind of the sweet age where it's likely to have been weeded from collections. You know what I mean? Like it's not old enough yeah. to have been there so long, uh, but but not new enough that it might still be, but... I agree. I agree. All right. So yeah, so that's pretty much what I'm watching. And of course, always The Bachelor. <laughs> this is so fun. I, this is so incongruous. I feel like with, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that you are as into The Bachelor as you are. No judgment. It's just surprising to me. I mean, I honestly will accept all the judgment no. in the world. <laughs> Listen, I can, after this year in particular, I can't, I can't judge anyone's guilty pleasures because this has been like the most like lowbrow year of my life. I feel like I've read mostly comic books and watched a lot of sitcoms just to like get through the day. So, you know, whatever brings joy, I say. <laughs> the year of joy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, what well, about you? Oh, have I been watching anything? Well, let's see. Um, I mean, have some things that I want to save for my list when we get into it. Um, we're yes. kind of like in between. We finished a bunch of stuff that we were really on, though we've kind of gone back and you know, catching some things that we didn't watch before. Uh, so right now we're watching the reboot of Mad About You, the old Paul Reiser, Helen Hunt sitcom, which I Solid. loved that sitcom. And they mm-hmm. did these new episodes and they're just now sort of readily available. So we're watching that and we're watching Homecoming, which is a series with um, Julia Roberts, which is based on a really popular podcast. So I hadn't listened to the podcast. My wife had, 
but it's really well done and i don't know where it's going like i don't have a clue where it's going and hillary does so you know it's been kind of interesting mm-hmm. to watch it so that's our that's the top of our queue at the moment and of course i just finished uh season three of star trek discovery just aired its finale so nice good nice. times were had by all yeah all right well <laughs> let's move into some book news See, the theme song is really peppy, but the book news today is sad. So I wanted to mention the passing of Eric Jerome Dickey. Eric Jerome Dickey is a hugely popular and influential author. We have many, many of his books uh, in the series, and he um, he passed away at the age of 59 very recently. Ooh. So just some career highlights here. Uh, during his multi-decade career, this this part's according to Variety, During his multi-decade career, the New York Times bestselling author wrote 29 novels that explored contemporary black American life from different angles. Some of his best-known novels include Milk and My Coffee, Cheaters, Chasing Destiny, Liar's Game, and Sister, Sister. Um, He also wrote, uh, most of them were standalone, but he wrote a series that followed the character of Gideon, and those were a little bit more like a you know, like action adventure kind of stories. Um, so those are also super popular. I think those are probably the most popular uh, in my library anyway. He was also nominated for several NAACP Image Awards and in 2006 won the Best Contemporary Fiction Award as well as the Author of the Year from the Afri- African American Literacy uh, Society. I read his graphic novel. He wrote uh, a graphic novel that uh, chronicles the meeting of Storm, who's an X-Men, Sally. That's one of the X-Men. And, uh, She's one of the ones I know. <laughs> oh, okay. And and the Black Panther. And, you know, his novels, the, the majority of his novels, I think, I, well, I wouldn't, I don't think you'd shelve him in romance necessarily, that the chemistry and relationship between the characters, especially... Uh, from a romantic standpoint, was was one of the things that he was really known for. He definitely brings that to this Storm graphic novel because their history in the comics is not all that, like, deep. And so he kind of takes it, takes their first meeting and makes it, you know, there's a lot of romantic tension between the characters, which I think is hard to ring out in a six-issue graphic novel. So I think it just kind of speaks to his ability to adapt in, in different... Um, different genres and i know some of his books were adapted into plays and uh, one was recently um, optioned for a film so we'll see where that goes and uh, the storm graphic novel actually won a a glyph comics fan award as well Uh, so we have many many books by eric jerome dickey in our collection so feel free to stop in and check them out and if you go to another library we'll send them your way yeah like the fred and harriet taylor memorial library in hammondsport i've been there I really, I know, I mean, I know you're here and like, you know, maybe I'm lying to you, but I'm not. I really love that library. <laughs> well, thanks. It's such a cool. I mean, you said that long before I got this job. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 Which always makes me feel good to know that I'm in one of the loved libraries. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's I, one of the newer, you know, how old is that building? 2007. Yeah. So less than 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Not long. I remember my first my first meeting of the director's advisory council was in Hammondsport and I had never been there before. I'd never even like driven through Hammondsport before. So after that meeting, I ended up just kind of strolling the town and um, it was right before our wedding anniversary. And so I booked one of the bed and breakfasts in Hammondsport. And so we spent our 10th wedding anniversary at one of those bed and breakfasts and just kind of hung around Hammondsport for the weekend. So it was a cool area. It's a cool area and I really like that library. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Gilmore Girls, which makes me happy. That's so. true. Yeah, especially with the the center of town right there and the way the buildings, you know, and the the stores and everything. Yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. 
I've been jealous of the pictures you've been posting over the quarantine because you have so many outdoor options, you know, where you can just go and be hanging out, seeing scenic things. Yeah, I've been pretty, I mean, I feel a little bad, but obviously not bad enough not to post them. <laughs> but like I have a lake within two blocks yeah. of my house. Oh, yeah. So. A beautiful lake, too. I mean, it's mm. really, I mean, it's scenic. The whole area yes. is just straight up scenic. <laughs> Uh, but it's all thanks to you sending me this job. Well, <laughs> so hey. You should apply. <laughs> wait, yeah, well, if you want to hook me up with a vacation rental over there, you know, if you know some people and can get something going, I wouldn't say no. Uh, that was, uh, so that, that we were talking a little bit about some of your highlights of 2020. And our topic for today is going to be uh, a 2020, a year in review. Now, we, on the other Book Show, we would typically do kind of a year in review thing, but none had the weight that comes with saying a year in review of 2020. So <laughs> just to clarify, when I say that, I mean, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite books and films uh, and TV shows, that sort of thing for 2020, and not uh, the unrelenting hellscape that uh, has been our day-to-day -day lives. <laughs> so... As fun as that would be. But if just, you're listening to this yeah. in the future, it has been a health. It has. It has. So just know that while we're going to be talking about things we like, we're well aware that most of 2020 does not fall in the category of things that we like. All right, Sally, how do you want to kick this off? Do you want to talk books first? Sure. That sounds okay. good. All right. So when we were we were discussing this, we're not we're not necessarily picking books that came out in 2020, um, just books that we happen to read in 2020. Though some of mine some of mine are 2020 publications. So we'll go over these a little bit, and we also have some uh, listener responses or library user feedback on some of their favorite books. Did you get much response from uh, from your peeps in Hammondsport about favorite books? Um, I've got a couple, not a okay. ton, but I do get a couple. Okay. All right. You want to share one from uh, one of your one of your patrons? Yeah, sure. So um, Joyce told me that her favorite read of this year was Lady Clementine, which is a, I guess you would call it somewhere in between nonfiction and fiction telling okay. of Clementine Churchill. Oh, so okay. it is, it is nonfiction in that the what is yeah. being told is true but it's set sort of from her perspective in a fictionalized way um but she thought it was really wonderful and just really cool to see such an important person in history get a yeah. voice and yeah. especially women don't often get those voices so that was her pick okay i read a book that uh, that would kind of fall within that same genre actually one of my picks this year is blonde by joyce carol oates yeah and it's a similar setup where uh, it's heavily researched um, the facts, you know, the facts that you hear as far as like, you know, dates and movies and, you know, people that Marilyn Monroe interacted with, those are pretty much factual, but the narrative, you know, the dialogue are enough to make it fiction. And usually she makes it so that it's sort of like, she, she won't write, come out and say, like when she's talking about when, when Marilyn Monroe was married to Arthur Miller, she would never say Arthur Miller. She would say the playwright. You know, when, when oh, we're talking about, like, Marilyn Monroe's marriage to Joe DiMaggio, she'd say the baseball player and that sort of thing. So mm. it's like if, you, if you're if you familiar with the players involved, usually you'd know who she was talking about. But there is that sort of level of, you know, maybe this is fictional. Maybe this didn't really happen. But mm. this is... I've talked about this a little when, when I first finished this book earlier in the year. But it bears repeating that this is just an amazing book. It's... Mm. It's huge. 
it's detailed and it is a, it spends a lot of time being very unpleasant because Marilyn Monroe is just a tragic figure you know so when you really dig into that it is it's an upsetting book to read but it's also incredibly powerful so i this was i think this was hands down the best book that i read all year and maybe the best book i've read in a while i just think it's expertly put together and balances that line of um like like the one that your patron was talking about here it balances that line of you know what's true and what is sort of like um an adaptation of of the feelings involved making it for just a really fascinating read Hmm. i mean that's actually been on my to read list for a while Mm -hmm. i really like joyce carol oates Mm -hmm. i think she's a really accessible writer but she's also she's pretty complex and she has a really beautiful writing style so this might be the tipping point to get me to read that because it's been on my list for a while and it sounds fascinating i honestly think more than more than any other author i've ever read I would categorize Joyce Carol Oates, reading a Joyce Carol Oates as an experience, you know, mm-hmm. like y- you yeah. walk away and it's, it's like left you with a lot to think about. And it's more, I find it more than just like, wow, that was interesting and put it down. Like it really gets to you. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's what she's so expert at. It's just like reaching in and just grabbing right a hold of you. So um, do you have a favorite Joyce Carol Oates? Probably the falls. Oh yeah. Um, that's my, always my wife has another, read that i haven't read that one actually yeah i mean it's another thick one it, it yeah, takes yeah. a long time to get through yep. but you i i mean i've never forgotten it and she has a way of writing like her writing style to me is very like clean and direct but beautifully written in a way that just like the scenery never leaves you yeah um so that one's probably my favorite but i've also read we were the mulvaney's which yep. is probably one of her most famous ones i would say and so, then yeah. freaky green eyes which is one of her ya novels i love that was actually yeah. the first jco i ever read was freaky green eyes i love that one yeah it's great yeah, and it really is. i think it also says something about an author if you can write both ya really well and yeah. adult yeah. yeah i've actually no, read a lot of I mean, her poetry I, as well and it's uh i mean it's right on brand no. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't nice. mistake who's writing it when she was here visiting the library and we had those couple of days. Uh, it was interesting to just sort of observe how she observes things, you know, because I just don't think she wasted a minute when we were driving in between places. I mean, she was always questioning and, and looking around and taking note and commenting on the things she saw, you know, when she would have. Uh, we had like a an on-campus event and then we had the in-library event and in between she was like back in the hotel room writing because she just writes mm. constantly as is clear from her output and the length of that output but such quality output yeah <laughs> unlike maybe other authors <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think eric would uh, would point out stephen king at this moment <laughs> he's got some stuff we love and he he's got some stuff we just don't love like That's all. like christine <laughs> yeah all right so what's uh, what's one of your favorites for the year well, I mentioned Fun Home by Alice yes. Bechtel yeah. earlier, which I don't know is a graphic about that one. novel. It came out, I'm not sure if it was, tw- I think it's 2018, but I could be wrong about that. Um, and it is a graphic novel memoir, mm-hmm. and it mostly centers around the relationship between her and her father growing up. Okay. And I just found it really beautiful and really profound. She and her father have 
a shared love of literature. Obviously, okay. she's a writer and her father was an English teacher. And so she uses a lot of metaphor from some of their favorite books mm -hmm. to sort of weave what their relationship means. But she does it in a way that doesn't feel pretentious. Um, and she brings in a lot of other things. She is queer um, and she's in her late 50s, early 60s. So it's an interesting time period um, for somebody to be coming out in. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just a beautiful memoir. I actually finished it and immediately ordered the second one, <laughs> which has, <laughs> um, which is about her and her mother. Okay. And so there's just the two of them. I think she's probably just going to do the two of them in this series at least. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. Interesting. So, I, yeah. I don't often, I don't read a lot of like autobiographical graphic novels. I guess I don't read a ton of like nonfiction graphic novels at all, but uh, I recently picked up Dragon Hoops by Jean Lun Yang, and that was really that was really interesting because um, I, I hadn't and I hadn't read American Born Chinese. Are you familiar with that one? Yes, I've okay. read that. Okay, see, I hadn't read that, and so I didn't really know what to expect because I I've only read his like Superman stories really, um, and Dragon Hoops was so interesting because it managed to be about himself about the basketball players that he was most interacting with and the history of basketball. And it managed mm. to like pull out, like it managed to pull all that off in a way that made sense. And it was unusual because like he is writing the book while like in the book, like him writing the book is part of the book, you know? Mm. And so he, there's a scene where he's showing uh, one of the players, some of the, some of the early illustrations and the players unhappy with the way his hair looks. And over the next several panels, as they have this conversation, the the character's hair changes. Like in every panel, it's huh. different until it settles on one that they like. But it's not really addressed. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like they have the conversation about the hair and you just notice that it keeps changing before it settles in. So I just thought that was cool. I think that's, I mean, Sarah and I, were, that's my wife, we're talking about this because, so Ben, my brother, bought Sarah Saga and he got me fun home. So we each read them and then we okay. swapped. Oh, nice. <laughs> and so we both read them in the last like month together. Yeah. And we were talking about just the differences between like a graphic novel memoir and a graphic novel that's just set in a land that you made up. Yeah. Um, and it is those kinds of like, neither I think is necessarily better than the other because I think the fantastical world that Saga creates is just so beautiful to look at. But then the subtleties and fun home where like she's able to like have one panel that's just a silence panel. Mm. And like, that's really poignant. Yeah. It, it's somewhere between like visual art, like a movie and reading a book. That's just like, if you're good at it, man, it's just so funny or it's just so poignant. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, mm -hmm. I think it's great. I, I love Blankets by Craig Thompson. Oh, yeah. Which is quite a bit older. Yeah. But that's one of my favorite books. And so this one felt very similar to me. Blankets but, seems yeah. like it was one that, that helped to le legitimize the graphic novel a little bit more. I mean, that was one of the more, more modern examples of one that was being used in classes and stuff. So I think that yeah. was one that was like, look, see, you can really you could do some legit stuff in this format. And I think it's just kind of gone on from there. That's fair. I think the first time I read it was in a class. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I read a short story collection. I don't often, I don't read a ton of short stories. Do you? Um, I go through phases. Okay. All right. <laughs> I do have a fa My favorite short story is river of names by Dorothy Allison. Okay. I've read that like a thousand times. Cause I love it. But <laughs> I think if I'm going to read a short story collection, it's because I'm already interested in the author is usually the way it works mm -hmm. for me. 
this this one is called Little Weirds. It's by Jenny Slate. Jenny hmm. Slate is I would primarily an actress, I would say. She was on SNL, she was in Parks and Rec, you know, several movies and she <laughs> I hear her voice all the time because she is nanny on the new Muppet Babies, which my son is loving at the moment. But <laughs> never has a title been more accurate than Little Weirds because it is they're short stories. Some of them I would think you'd you'd say are more like flash fiction because they're, you know, a handful of sentences or just like one paragraph, like very short. And they are, there's no other way to describe them other than they're just very odd. They're weird. They're unusual. But a lot of them really have kind of a hidden depth and feel, I don't know, like it just brings out a lot of beauty and really mundane things. Some of them are funny. I mean, some of them are just laugh out loud funny and some are very touching in a different way so i was fascinated by that and and really enjoyed that collection hmm. no that sounds wonderful i'll have to look that up uh, um, looking at some of the listener responses here melanie on facebook says kindred by octavia butler which i'm sad to say i have not read this book i know me this, neither, this one comes up all the time you know Kindred was the first science fiction written by a black woman. It's become a cornerstone of black American literature. It's a combination of slave memoir, fantasy, and historical fiction, which is rich in literary complexity, according to Goodreads. So mm. add that to the list. Thank you, Melanie. Yeah, that's no, that's one that comes up consistently yes, as a does. still important yep. must read. Yep. Um, uh, Sarah <laughs> said that her favorite reads of the year were Ready Player One, oh. The Decameron, and Kristen Lavren's Daughter. That is an eclectic and, uh, list. Yes, and this is my wife. <laughs> so uh, I will nerd say, alert. Yes, this uh, this checks out. <laughs> yeah, that I would agree. That all that all sounds just right. I have yeah. not read Ready Player One. I saw the movie and just wasn't really into it. And so that kind of killed my desire to read the book. I know Ready Player Two is coming out, or maybe is out, mm -hmm. and uh, is one that's been pretty anticipated, requested a lot already at the library. Yeah, I mean, she has, that. this book really got her into sci-fi. Like, mm. she's not really ever been a huge sci-fi specific reader, yeah. um, but this one kind of launched that for her. So now she's been re reading a lot of sci-fi. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. Like I had a friend, we saw her at it's sometime in the middle of the year and she got out of the car and she said, well, let me tell you what book you shouldn't read. Ready player one. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah literally just finished it. And she was like, uh, well, I love this. <laughs> Disagree. So, okay. And then, of course, the other two. I've not read the Decameron nor no one Kristen Lovren's daughter. No one has. <laughs> but she loved them. Okay. So, if All right. you are a fellow nerd, yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, uh, eclectic nerd. I, I like that. I like yes. that. Um, what do you have? Another one? Sure. Um, so I also read Becoming by Michelle Obama. Oh, okay. me and millions of other people. Seriously. Um, I Again, I don't know. Was that a twenty eighteen or a twenty nine or a twenty nineteen or a twenty twenty? I'm not exactly sure. I think it was, was twenty nineteen. I think it was twenty nineteen, but there was a big, um, like I don't even know what you'd call it. There was there was a, a big fancy version that came out. Oh okay. Well, I'm not sure then if I read the fancy or the original, but I did <laughs> finally read it, um, and I loved it. I mean, I do like nonfiction and I love memoirs, yeah. and I just thought this one was really wonderful. She has a very down to earth. Um, storytelling style that I thought was really great. I loved hearing about her growing up. It's yeah, highly recommend if you like um, if you like Michelle Obama. Yeah, 
or if you like memoirs. I mean, it's just a wonderful book. I had read way back when I was working at uh, Herrick Memorial Library in Alfred, I read Barack Obama's Dreams from My Father, like before he was even like running for mm -hmm. president. And I imagine that would be a very different experience reading that now. I did get Barack Obama's new memoir for Christmas. That's one that's in my stack of to read, but I haven't gotten nice. to it yet. Um, but we did get a lot of comments about that uh, on our Facebook page when asking what people are reading. That seems to be high on the list. Yeah, I'm excited to read that one too, but I haven't picked it up yet. Have you read Toni Morrison? I read Beloved back in college. Okay. I remember pieces of it and I remember <laughs> actually liking it. Okay. <laughs> But I, 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 that's it, and it's embarrassing that that's it, I think. But. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm only one ahead of you, because I'd read Song of Solomon years ago, but this mm. past year I read God Help the Child, and I feel like this one doesn't get mm. a ton of, I don't think this is like one that people say, you know, when they're listing Toni Morrison books. Yeah, I no. feel like maybe this is, I don't know, for whatever reason. But I found this really interesting. It was it was a multi-generational kind of story. And, and it was really, I really liked the way she wove the different parts of it together, you know. And this, this is so difficult because it wasn't like an every other chapter kind of thing. And so sometimes when it is in a regular pattern of, of when you're switching from like, you know, the mother to the daughter, it's sort of like jarring when you've gone like three or four chapters without seeing the other one. But I thought she did it just right. And it made the story a lot more rich, I think, because, because you were getting the perspective and it wasn't just a constant call and response, you know, it was like the other one would come in when needed. And so the balance was, was different, I think, than a lot of these type of novels are. And this was another one that I, I listened to about 50, 50, but I listened to about half of it, uh, in the audiobook version. And I wish I would have done the whole thing because she reads it herself and, her reading of it is so good. I mean, that, that made my enjoyment level like skyrocket because it's just, she just has the perfect voice to tell this story. And obviously because it's hers. So it just went, uh, it, it just, it just made it for a much better uh, listening experience. And that's not always the case when the author reads it. Sometimes it's like, but could we get an actor to do it? But no, Toni Morrison was the right choice to read this book. So I would recommend this one. I do need to read more of her in general, so maybe I'll start with that one. Okay. You're right. I mean, that's not one I hear often. So, mm -hmm. I have uh, Lynn. Lynn said that her favorite her favorite book that she thinks people would recognize um, would be <laughs> Dutch House. Oh, okay, and Patchett. <laughs> uh, the Anne Patchett yeah. book, mm -hmm. which I think came out a few years ago, but um, is obviously still very popular. I mean, yeah. it's constantly circulating in our yeah. library. Um, I remember that was a big deal because Tom Hanks read the audiobook and people were excited about that yes well and she she mentioned that actually and she, oh, okay. she said it was both great but now she also can never separate the two ever yeah. because yeah. she listened to the audiobook and so yep. tom hanks is forever the dutch house <laughs> yes yeah that's um, the way it works but she also said so she's also very into sci-fi um and she said that she's been into a series uh, the first book of which is called quarter share by nathan lowell and I'm not familiar with this, but it's set in a futuristic but real life world. So there's no like aliens or anything like that. But basically, like humankind is living on these starships. Mm. Um, and it sounds very interesting, actually. She she was she was like, well, I don't nobody's going to have read that. Um, and I said, well, but those are the good ones because <laughs> then people are going to get excited and hear about new things. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so quarter share, which I might look into a little bit more. Okay, 
we had a couple on the list, you know, that, that always pop up. We had several people recommending where the crawdads sing, of course. I mean, how many years has that been uh, in the tip tops? Have you read this one yet? I haven't. Well, Sally, it's very much okay. How about yeah. that? <laughs> I mean, it sounds kind of like something I'd enjoy, but I don't know. I, I just haven't, like, hopped on it, so. Sometimes it's very confusing to me why some take off and others don't. I don't think this is one that I would have predicted. Interesting. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is. The, the fact that it's uh, it's remained as popular as it has for these years, years now. Yeah, truly. So that one, The Great Alone, was another one that came up on our list. Liz on Facebook recommended that. That's uh, That was one of my favorite books of the last couple of years. I had a good time with that. I read a David Sedaris book that I feel like was a little... Maybe the last couple of years this came out, but Theft by Finding by David Sedaris. Mm -hmm. And this is, I mean, I've read everything at this point. I've read everything that, that David Sedaris has put out. Are you a fan? I probably have also read. Okay. I have not read that one, but okay. I've probably read everything up until that point. <laughs> I had, um, this one I wasn't particularly interested in because uh, it is, it's diary entries. And mm. some of the criticisms that I've heard was that the, that it read a little bit like unpolished versions of stories that you already know. And I am glad that I ended up reading it because I feel like, much like with Calypso, uh, his, his one of his more recent collections, both of those I feel like really are for diehard David Sedaris fans. Not that yeah. they're bad, but it's like, I think to really, to really let them land, you already need to have some buy-in for like the world of David Sedaris. I don't think either one of these would be something uh, for somebody to pick up if they hadn't read it before. Yeah, there is. That's interesting. I mean, I am interested in reading it. I saw that it had come out and I just haven't gotten around to yeah. it. But I do find his work, sometimes they're just very quippy and very accessible to like anybody who wants to pick them up and just listen to some great mm -hmm. poignant comedy. Yeah. And then other times they get really like he layers on the these like stories of his family and like who he is. And he, by the end, like by the later books, there's some really deep cuts that you would not understand oh, what yeah. the timeline is. You yep. wouldn't understand what the point of this is. I mean, it's still hilarious, yeah. but yeah. As with all David Sedaris books, I would recommend the audio because his reading of it is, I mean, it's just amazing. It, it kicks them all up a notch. Agreed. So, And I think especially for what this was, because this was one that I was listening to while like, organizing a drawer like cleaning the house you know that sort of thing when i'm just like busy like buzzing around and it worked really well for that because it's really easy to just listen for 15 or 20 minutes and then move mm. on to something else because it is it's it's these little like quick bites uh, mm. so again i think this is more for sedaris fans but i'm one of them and so uh this was this was this was very high on my list this year especially um especially like with the stresses of the year i just felt like this was something that was uh really relaxing and fun to listen to we all need that these days <laughs> yes yes we do do you have a favorite david sedaris um so i mean holidays on ice is still yeah. probably my favorite yeah. um although the diabetes owl one yeah i actually really loved too mm -hmm. because i like i like it when he talks about his family and oh me too like weaves comedy into his everyday life so that's a more recent one that i really loved yeah but i mean they're all they are. I mean, Santa Land Diaries, no matter how many times I hear that one, I just can't. It, I just laugh hysterically. I mean, this is like, yeah. these are these are audiobooks that you don't want to listen to while driving, I feel like, because sometimes they're <laughs> yeah. just so funny. I feel like uh, Dress Your Family in Corduroy and Denim is usually the one that is my go-to mm. when I think about, like, favorites. That's true. If I were to recommend, like, 
to a new like person somebody who's new to David Sedaris who wanted to read one of his like concrete book yeah. books that would mm-hmm. probably be the one that I would recommend yeah I was gonna say something that was not at all uh light or fun to listen to but I did really like was I so my brother had gotten me Lincoln in the Bardo yeah. on audiobook a few yeah. years ago mm-hmm. and I listened to it and liked it yeah um but then this year I read it and after like after having listened and read it i like really i just loved it i thought it was so good and that that was a real sleeper hit yeah i mean that just came out of nowhere and was you know was a bestseller and everyone was reading it and it was like where did this book come from where did this come from like uh, like madeline miller's circe was the same way it was like i never heard of this and then all of a sudden like the world is reading it at once yeah but i mean i just think it's so cleverly written Mm. and the characters are so like funny i don't know i it's complicated we read it for a book club and it was definitely 50 50 half the people were like i was confused there were too many voices it was too existential but then i think if you just get it like if it's just a reading style that you enjoy it's almost like it's almost like a stream of conscious play or something that you're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just get it, it's so fun to read. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that they did it for the book club and I'm glad that I got to reread it again because that, I feel like, bumped it up to one of my favorites this year. Nice. So I guess my fi- there's a couple, I have, like, I have a couple like honorable mentions and, and those would be uh, John Grisham's A Time for Mercy, which is the third mm-hmm. book in his uh, Jake Briggins series. Uh, the first of these, Time to Kill, was Grisham's very first uh, published novel. And so all these decades later, for him to revisit the characters and nail the tone from his early days, I thought was really impressive. And the story was just good. Uh, so I liked that a lot. I also really enjoyed Sue Monk Kids, The Book of Longings. And this was a very atypical book. I- I'm not even sure what led me to pick this one up. But this is about... It- it's not a religious book. But it is about like the historical Jesus and focuses on his wife. And oh, it's like it's all from her perspective and it's really just more about like that time. But something about it, I just was I was transfixed by it. I don't know. I, I really liked it. And I I'd not read like the Mermaid Chair or any of her other really popular books. So now I gotta go back and read the others because I like that quite a bit. But the final <laughs> in my top five is gonna be Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. So when this one came out uh, quite a few years ago, 2017, so not that long ago, it was one that swept. I mean, it was a Newbery Medal nominee. It was a National Book Award nominee, Odyssey Award. Uh, it won the Edgar Award for Best YA. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on for um, how many awards this book has won. And it's all very deserving. We did a special episode on this on the All the Books show uh, for Poetry Month. So Malika Costa, who's on staff at the library, is the poetry expert, I feel like, in the library. So every time we do a poetry episode, I'm like, I, we need Malika on this. I don't want to look like a dummy. So uh, th- this was one that, that we all read together. And this is like, it's um, it's a novel, but written in, in the poetry, like written in that way. And it was really mm. suited for it. It's a... It's a deep and, and very moving, very upsetting kind of story, but it's just uh, it's so powerful. If you haven't read it, you should check it out. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read it, so I guess I will have to check it out. Well, I mean, I've exhausted my list. I mean, I could tell you probably my two... So I reread Persuasion. These are my honorable mentions. Oh, okay. I reread right, Persuasion. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jane Austen. And 
it's great. If you haven't read the, I guess you could say, lesser known Jane Austens, do it. Um, And then I read Before We Were Yours, and I can't tell you the author's name off the top of my head. But that one was kind of a surprise for me because I picked it up for a book club. um, But it's about the... um, the orphanages that used to like sell, steal and sell children basically. Oh wow. But it's based on true events and it's just a really easy read and about a part of history that's just really fascinating and not really talked about very much. But those are probably my honorable mentions. Okay. But I've exhausted my list. Yeah, me too. That's that's mine and my honorable mentions. Uh, let's talk quickly. Let's just do like a like a lightning round where we talk uh, movies and TV from the year. I feel like talking movies 2020 uh, is difficult if you're trying to <laughs> pick movies that actually came out <laughs> of the year, though. Um, I did see a couple that I enjoyed. Sally, give me your top five movies. Well, and like you said, I think almost all of my movies came out in 2019. Yeah, but I would right. say, so Portrait of a Lady on Fire... Okay. by Celine Shemaya was probably my favorite movie of the year. Huh. I loved okay. it. It was nominated for Best Director and Best uh, Movie, but it lost to another one of my favorites, which was Parasite. Oh, um, yes. Those are both great. And then I would say, surprisingly, a movie Knives Out by Rian Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which, it's like a take on the classic whodunit kind of very, uh, story. Very uh, Agatha Christie flavored. Yeah, but very modernized too, yeah. which I liked, and I yeah. feel like has it has an opportunity to like redo that genre mm-hmm. in a really awesome way. I think um, they've already got a sequel in the works for that. I mean, I'll watch it. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, and then probably, and this is just a silly, lighthearted, uh, sappy one, but for Christmas season, Chloe Duvall came out with The Happiest Season, which is a lesbian rom com on Hulu, and. It has some problems. I disagree with the ending, but it's just fun and really great. And I really liked it. Is that the one with Kristen Stewart? Mm-hmm. We kept meaning to watch that and just like ran out of time before Christmas. And I'm not going to watch a Christmas movie post Christmas. That's no. insane. No, it is. I don't even you think should... it's legal. <laughs> Save it for next year. Okay. It'll be like a little, but it's just, it's like very a la like a, an old school Christmas movie. So yeah. it's like the big family and the big sure. house and all that stuff. Um, but I thought it was really fun and well done. So those are my movies. Go we watched it. one that um, this is this. Okay, I'm just going to it's Olympic Dreams by Nick Kroll and Alexi Pappas. Have you heard of this? No. Yeah, I don't think anybody has. I don't know. I, I was listening. I think I heard Nick Kroll on The Daily Show uh, talking about this movie. And I was like, oh, I should track that down. And so it was filmed at the actual Olympics, uh, you know, whatever, whenever the last Winter Olympics were. And so it's all filmed like on location in the Olympic Village. And it's really, it's just Nick Kroll and Alexi Pappas who are the, the cast. And like everybody else is just like the Olympics going on around them. So Nick Kroll plays a dentist who's just there in case people need a dentist. And she's competing. And it is just this quiet movie about them striking up sort of an unlikely friendship and maybe a little bit of like romance. But what sells it i think is their chemistry is just amazing Hmm. it's a really understated performance from nick kroll and they just play off each other really brilliantly and it was just this nice quiet intensely enjoyable movie that i loved Hmm. it reminded me like in that way just sort of when you you think about like the atmospheric nature of it it reminded me of patterson did you ever watch that with um adam driver no that's i think you'd enjoy that one 
Patterson. But I like that kind of movie. That's that's really just kind of all about. It's like a highlight of the acting and the performances. I think. But mm-hmm. uh, both my wife and I really really love that one. That's uh, awesome. On the goofier side, we watched Palm Springs with Andy Sandberg. Yes, that was enjoyable. Did you watch that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's 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 kind of it's just a take on Groundhog Day, really, which I mm-hmm. which I think they even name drop in there. But no, I thought they did a, a good thing with it, and I felt like it came at the perfect time, like in the quarantine, because it was like we were all feeling like every day was the same. So, like having a movie <laughs> that you know shows that play out, I think was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, on Netflix, I really liked uh, two movies: The Lovebirds, Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani where they're just like a couple who is breaking up and they get pulled into like a a murder mystery kind of. And so they end up sort of being on the run and they have to kind of like solve the crime or be blamed for it or something. So Hmm. it's, it manages this weird tone of like being a legit mystery and there being like actual danger, you know, like there are stakes. It's a comedy because they're both comedians, but it also kind of has this level of like, they know as as two people of color like they both know that they can't just go to the cops and explain what happened and so like it sort of adds this like menace to it that i thought was just a really successful movie overall (laughs) so that was fun we also enjoyed enola holmes which is based on that ya novel series uh, which Mm -hmm. was just fun i mean we just we just had a good time with it and this is more an honorable mention but i know you're not a comic book movie fan but the new mutants movie was supposed to be like the last of the X-Men movies before Disney bought it. And it got postponed for years and then finally came out. And there was just like so many expectations and theories about, Oh, it must be terrible. It must be bad that my wife and I sat down and just liked it. Like it was just a fun, like kind of a, you know, a a low budget superhero movie that we enjoyed. So that's never going to make my list of favorite movies or favorite superhero movies. But, you know, for late 2020, a, a low-budget superhero movie, it was uh, was just right. What huh. can I say? Yeah. This might be the year that I finally watch all the superhero movies because I now have access to Disney+. Plus and they have a thing where you can watch them in time order. <laughs> and I feel like maybe this is what I've been lacking is... I don't see that. I don't see that working for you. No, <laughs> I don't know. I want to say it will. I mean, you and I have watched Iron Man together, at least. But see, I like them when I watch them as individual films. Yeah. Like, there's never a time when I've watched one of them and been like, "Ugh, this was yeah. awful or boring or whatever. But I'm usually confused. Like, yeah. I need the whole story. And so, I don't know. I kind of feel like, <laughs> I can, and this is a gamble, but I sort of feel like if I was going to suggest ones for you, I would be like... Spider-Man Homecoming and Ant-Man and the Wasp, the ones that are a little bit more, they're, they're, they're lighter. I think they're more focused on the characters than like superheroes. And both of those Mm. movies also kind of feel like throwback eighties movies in a way that I think you might dig. So I do love throwback eighties movies. I know. I mean, I do. What's the ones with the raccoon. I like those ones. Yeah. Guardians of the galaxy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those are fun. (laughs) All right. Well, if if you watch all the Marvel movies, that there's definitely a podcast to be had with you and me talking about your experience watching all of the Marvel movies. I would love to see that. There's going to be a lot of me like that lady with the yeah. reddish hair. Well, you, you just said you just said the one with the raccoon, so I think you've proven that that's uh that's the yeah. way it would be. What fair, about TV, fair. Sally? Did you discover anything TV wise? Honestly, this was a great year for TV and me. Agreed. Um, 
So I loved, so The Queen's Gambit, that's been making the rounds, but is really great. It's a Netflix series. Yeah. I think it's only like eight episodes long. Um, and it's about uh, a great female chess player. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting. It plays with a lot of like women's issues of the time, but it's also just very like quippy. It moves very quickly. Five stars. Anna Taylor-Joy, <laughs> who is the, the lead in that movie, was also one of the lead characters in New Mutants. Oh, nice. So if you like her, maybe you'll like New Mutants. I mean, I do like her. I think she's a fabulous actress. I also think she's very interesting looking, which I appreciate. Hmm, That's true. Um, The Crown has never been something I could get into. Not interested. But then I did this year. So mostly because I I am more interested in the characters in the fourth season because I am curious, like, the interactions between the Queen and Margaret Thatcher and Mm -hmm. uh, Princess Diana. And so I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch all of them and do it. Um, and it was well worth it. Once you get into it, it is a really beautifully written show. Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah. Didn't expect to love that one either, but it's great. I mean, I've always been a Reese Witherspoon fan. And that's based off of a book, which I have not read. I love um, that. I love that book. And oh, I watched you? the first episode of the series and just couldn't get into it. So I never oh. went back. I don't know. Well, I, I got to read the book now because... I mean, I blew through that show, and mm. I can't wait for the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved it. And uh, Mrs. America, which is a mini series that came out on Hulu about the women's rights movement between oh, okay. the 60s and 70s, really like right before Reagan is elected. Mm. Great. Starring Kate Blanchett, one of my favorite favorites. Yes, yeah, I know um, that. But it's super well written, really fascinating look on a lot of these historical characters. Yes. Loved it. You know, then, speaking of Kate Blanchett, though, and Marvel movies, have you seen Thor Ragnarok? Because no. uh, that is largely what is fueling my desire to watch them. I see. <laughs> is to get to that one. To get to that one. Understood. Well, I think for what it's worth, I think that you would love her in that movie. I bet I would. I think you would. I think you would. Yeah. I like the commercials. That's for sure. Maybe be in love with her. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. All you right. know what? Report like, back. You don't Report need to back. Me out too much. Sorry. But... Sorry. 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 <laughs> And then on the lighter side, uh, so I finally got to watch The Mandalorian because, oh, again, yes. I now have access to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's just too. fun. It's just awesome. I'm, I'm not too big to admit that I was resistant on getting into The Mandalorian because it was, like, such a fad, you know, that I was just yeah, like, yeah, whatever, yeah. stop talking about The Mandalorian. But, yeah, then we finally got Disney+, Plus and we were like, let's see what that fuss is all about. And once we were, you know, maybe two, three episodes in, but the, the moment where you really settle into, okay, this is what the plot is going to be, uh, we were all in, all in. Yeah. So I'm glad you liked it. For glad sure. You liked it. Well, and I've, like, seen the things about Baby Yoda, and I'm always like, I mean, he's kind of cute, yeah. but, like, not super cute. Yep. And then I watched it, like, an, an episode in, you're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> everything he does. Baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then there's a TV show, Big Mouth. On Netflix. Oh, yeah. With Nick Kroll, um, right? That's yeah, Nick Kroll's Nick, show. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about Nick Kroll earlier. I was. Yeah. Uh, hilarious. Okay. Definitely very gross as well. Yes. Um, but yes. it is hilarious. You know what? And very you know well how, written. You know how I know about that show? That same interview on The Daily Show, he was talking about Big Mouth and Olympic Dreams Fair at the enough. same time. So there you go. It is a great show, but caveat, it is very gross. Yeah. And then... Pen 15, which is maybe one of my favorites this yeah. year. It's set when I was I, when I was in middle school, which is, I think, a, a lot of why I love it. So Definitely. it's two women who are my age 
who are in middle school in 2001 playing themselves and all the other actors are children. I know this seems like an insane setup for a television show, no, but it in. is just so funny. Yeah. And it's just all about like coming of age stuff yeah. to be like a teen in 2001. And it's just so well written. They're so funny. They're two comedians. So love it. Highly recommend. Um, so yeah, those are my TV shows. Okay. I agree with you that I feel like while for movies, there wasn't a lot that I was excited for this year. TV shows. You know what? You know what I didn't mention? Movies. And that's Birds of Prey. Did you? You haven't seen Birds of Prey, right? Oh, no. That is one that I think that you I should. I saw the other one, but no. I think like Suicide okay. Squad you saw? Yes. Okay, Suicide Squad's terrible, but Birds of Prey, I feel like, really takes that the Harley Quinn character and, like, I don't know, it, like, transcends it. We just rewatched it for New Year's, and we're just, I can't believe it doesn't get more play. You know, it's huh. it's such a good movie. My wife loves it, loves it. Huh. So, if you watch it, you'll have to, you'll have to let us know, because okay, I, I, I think, I that think one, that's cause... one that you would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Journey Smollett as Black Canary in that to me is just like perfect and that's a character that they mm-hmm. never seem to get right and she just nails it and that's one of your wife's favorite right yes it is yes it is good catch Sally we did a whole episode about the birds of prey on the all the book shows so you can find it at soundcloud.com slash all the books featuring my wife Hillary Gunning nice yes lots of TV shows that I like this year so I tried to whittle them down but you know what I'm, I'm just going to tell you all of them <laughs> Honorable mention is The Undoing with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman over on HBO Max. This is based on a book, and there is a crime that happens, and it kind of explodes their life. There's an undoing, if you will. And it's got some, I feel like it's got some criticism for like the the way the story goes and some of the resolution. I don't see it. I feel like it's a really cleverly plotted story. And I mean, Nicole Kidman is always good. I'm focusing here on Hugh Grant because he plays so far away from like the Hugh Grant type that we've all known since like mm-hmm. 1990 that it's pretty impressive. It just seeing that seeing that he can act that way was shocking to me. Like every episode mm-hmm. we were like I never seen Hugh Grant even express that emotion, let alone like do it <laughs> to this level. So I think it's hmm. worth it just for that. And I would be surprised if he doesn't get some sort of nomination for that because it was uh, the ultimate like playing against type. So that's a, hmm. yeah. And that's short. That's five, six episodes, something like that. Uh, we discovered a show on Netflix called Ragnarok that is a Scandinavian show. And it's set in this little town. And what it's sort of ultimately about is like the second coming of the Norse gods. And so like you're seeing people and you're kind of like, so is this is this where we're headed for like a Thor story? Is this where we're headed for like a Loki? And it's never really like it's not really a sci fi or, you know, like this mythology kind of show until it is. And then it's like, what? So it was Hmm. very it was very unusual. Like the watching experience was very unusual. But by the end, we were all in. I know there's a second season coming out. So I'm looking forward to that. Is it in English or is it no, in Norwegian? No, it's not. It's in Norwegian. But, I mean, you can, you can do the option. Like, Netflix has the option to play it in English, but it it was so much better in the original yeah. language. So oh, yeah. We, that's how we watched it. Uh, also on HBO Max, The Flight Attendant. This is starring Kaylee Cuoco and based on the novel by Chris Bahalian. So good. It's another mystery show. It's another... I mean, it's it tells the story from the novel and is, I want to say, eight episodes it was intended to just be a miniseries, but like 
it's just so good. They, they're doing another season. So, like, by the end, they were putting little things in there where you were like, oh, you could get a second season out of that, maybe. But I recommend that. For you in particular, Sally, uh, a Star Trek fan like me, <laughs> I would recommend Star Trek Lower Decks. This hmm. is uh, it's an animated series on CBS All Access. I don't think it's anywhere else or on disc right now. Uh, ten episode season starring Tawny Newsome, and she plays this character, uh, Mariner is the character's name, and they're all like you know every Star Trek show is about like the captain and the bridge crew. This is about like the lowest of the low characters who are like down in the lower decks, and it is just hilarious, like start to finish, just hilarious. And what I think you would appreciate is that there are so many little one-off, like, throwaway nods to, like, the Next Generation era and stuff. It's just, like, a joke machine if you're familiar with some of that stuff. So I think it works as just a straight comedy. But if you kind of have your foot in the door of Star Trek fandom, it's hilarious. So That sounds fabulous, and I have not heard of it. It's so really good. If if the quarantine ever lifts, we should, we should binge it all because it's only 10 <laughs> yes. episodes. Uh, we talked about this a little on our Halloween episode in the All the Books show, and that was The Haunting of Hill House, which I really mm. loved. I thought it was very good. Yes, agreed. Uh, also, I this is my wife always wants to watch like a moody sci-fi drama, and I more often than not, if we're going to sit down and marathon, want to watch a sitcom. Mm. You know, and so it's it's rare. I feel like that we're both in the right zone for like the the same kind of show, like in the right moment. And the next two here are ones that fit the bill. That one is Never Have I Ever, which is a Mindy Kaling show that's on Netflix about um, a girl. And it, it is sort of like a coming of age story as well. It's randomly narrated by John McEnroe, which is hilarious. Weird. And that was one that we watched in one setting, which we rarely do that kind of thing, but we just watched the whole thing. Uh, so huh. funny. So funny. I can't wait for more. I do love Mindy Kaling. I She's know. awesome. Yeah. Although we just recently watched that movie with her and Emma Thompson, and I f- my wife liked it. I felt like it just didn't land. Where Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson is like a David Letterman style um, yeah. host, you know, like late night host, long running, <laughs> you know, sort of like the educated one, like Letterman. And Mindy Kaling comes in as like a new writer and, you know, things happen. I, it didn't land as well for me. And I feel like a lot of it was because Emma Thompson, to me, was just very miscast as like a stand-up comic. I just, when mm. she did like little stand-up bits, I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> but, but never have I ever. That that was good Mindy Kaling writing right there. <laughs> Uh, finally, on my list here is Black AF, which is on Netflix, and it's um, yeah. it's sort of I mean it's it's semi autobiographical about Kenya Barris, who um, you know prolific writer and show creator, Blackish, and and that whole universe of shows. Um, it's him and Rashida Jones, and it's just sort of about them being you know wealthy and like dealing with their six kids, and I don't know. It's just uh, the format is the daughter is making a documentary about the family. And it's just really, it's really well done. And his delivery is is so like laid back and quiet and funny. It was just kind of unlike uh, any show I'd ever seen. And I kind of preferred it to Blackish. And there's a lot of, mm. there's a lot of, um, you can see some pretty clear like character parallels, especially with the kids where you can sort of, you know, see. Um, because it's all, I mean, they're all written by Kenya Barris. And, and Blackish is also supposed to be a little autobiographical. Uh, but no, I, I loved it. I, I watched the whole thing. It was a good time. 
Nice. I've seen that on there, but I haven't watched it. So I think it's eight episodes. It's not, uh, you know, it's not, it's not huge so far. The more is coming, but yeah, I would recommend it. I think you'd like it. Are there any things in 2021 that you're looking, looking forward to books, movies, TV, anything like that? Well, Pen15 is coming okay. out with its next season, so mm-hmm. stoked about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, all the shows that I mentioned, I think all of them are coming out with new things this year. Yeah. Um, I'm also excited to look forward to all of the crazy documentaries that will be written yeah. about what's happening right now in yep. our country. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did watch, uh, I this is actually written here on my list, and I didn't say it, but one thing I actually, uh, could one say enjoyed, I watched the Epstein documentary, and oh. I watched it three times. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, I find it fascinating, and and I know that they're going to do more on it. I don't know if you could, would call it like a second season, but they're okay. going to expound on it. So I'm actually looking forward to that. But I don't know, I honestly, I haven't tracked what a, what is coming out yeah. for a lot of things because I felt like everything was sort of stalled for a while yeah, and I need I to like actually look it up and see like what's actually happening and what's not but I know as soon as I asked you that I was like I no no I was like I hope she doesn't turn that around <laughs> on me because I don't have answers to that because yeah for the same thing it's like all all the release dates I had in my mind are now I don't even know if that's true anymore so it's yeah. hard to know I guess I'm just excited for things to happen again Oh, I know, right? Preferably Imagine this good time things. next year. Yeah. Like, we might actually be in the same room next this time next year. No, Wouldn't I ref- that be great? I refuse to entertain <laughs> optimism. I can't I can't be hurt again, Sally. I can't. So, no, it's fair. It's fair. So I can't do it. Anything exciting coming up at the Hammondsport Library that you want to tell people about? Uh, programs or anything like that? Well, so we're doing our take-home kits for both our craft programs, and those are for adults and kids, kids. Um, and those are available every other week, and so you should always stop in, because we always have one available, so Mm -hmm. if you ever want, like, a take-home craft kit, they sometimes correspond to um, some, like, book prompts or things like that, Um, you can always stop in and grab one of those. We're also doing for little bookworms, which is ages uh, one to four, like basically up to preschool age. Um, We're doing ongoing kits and those have a lot of like really good sensory and fine motor skills. So if you have a little kiddo in your life that would like some more of that, you can sign up for those. Um, And we're still doing our book club. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going strong. We meet on Zoom right now. but there's usually between like 10 and 20 of us that meet. And wow. so we still have really great discussions. We're doing um, American Dirt for yeah. this month. And oh, I can't remember what next month is. But shoot us a message if you want to join because all you got to do is show up. That's exciting. We're, yeah. we, I think the, the kits have been really popular with us as well. I know Kate just recently did a, a, a program where, where – um, she was letting kids sample the all the random like Oreo cookie flavors. Of course, oh, you know that was very popular. Uh, that we just had like prepackaged Oreos that kids could take and you know mark their favorite and stuff. So that was kind of fun. And there were always Oreos in the library for a while. So I mean that was a good time. Period. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we we do have a lot of kits coming up, and we've been trying to do some adult craft classes that way as well. Uh, we were talking about putting together some Lego kits and um, doing some programs with the school. So. You know, I mean, obviously this has mostly been bad, but, you know, looking back, I, there are some things that I feel like some programs that we came up with or some connections that we made 
because of the circumstances that I think will really benefit the library going forward. So, you know, it's kind of helpful to look at some of the things that are maybe positive and have that be the things that uh, that we focus on going forward because darn it, we're going forward, you know? Yeah, I agree. Oh, boy. <laughs> what a time. But no, I said we we're not going to get maudlin. We're just going to talk about things we like in 2020. So <laughs> shake it off, Sally. Shake it off. Fair All right. Enough. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for uh, this episode of How's Things. I want to give a special thanks to my old pal, Eric Mickles, who did design the How's Things logo that you're seeing in the feed here. Uh, I want to thank Ben Lehman for coming up with a new theme for How's Things. Uh, Ben's themes are delightful to me. So I, I'm always, every time he sends me a new one, I'm always like, "How? where are you coming up with a different jingle? Like every time I ask, it's uh <laughs> It's pretty amazing. So thanks to both Ben and Eric for that. On the next episode of How's Things, I have a special interview with author Jason Fry. Jason mm. has written many Star Wars novels, probably primarily known in the Star Wars universe for his novelization of The Last Jedi, which we do get into the process of writing that novel in the interview. We also talk about his Jupiter Pirates series, which is an original, I think, four, four books he's up to now, series in there, which I've read and enjoyed. Uh, and he recently wrote a Minecraft book called The End. And when I told my son that I was interviewing the guy who wrote the Minecraft book, I was suddenly like, cool. So that was that was a nice <laughs> bonus. So make sure you listen into our uh, Jason Fry interview. And if you didn't listen to the last episode with Don Daneman from The Circle, for heaven's sakes, we talked about the Beatles tour, you know? I mean, it was crazy. It was a crazy conversation. So go back and find that in all the past episodes of uh, How's Things and All the Books right at soundcloud.com slash all the books or anywhere you get your podcasts. Sally, I thank you for joining me. Uh, and even though it's not Halloween, I'm extra thankful that you're wearing your ghost sweater because I think it's still very much on brand for you. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I did it just for you and for our podcast listeners. That's, that's, <laughs> that's real dedication, and I appreciate that. All right, Sally, until we meet again. All right. All right, so long, everyone.